0: Welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and of course, we have Steve Otterstrom with us today. So, Steve, how are you doing this fine day?
1: Oh, just wonderful. I am happy to see, um, you know I, know, I know we've kind of been moving from spring into summer, mm-hmm. um, although we've had a couple of, of, of cold days out here, um, but there is kind of, especially as I go through winter in Salt Lake City there is this feeling of oh i'm happy to see a little green outside <laughs> before we get to those incredibly hot days where um <laughs> i'm just gonna hide in an air-conditioned room and and wish for winter to to come again <laughs>
0: yeah. well i know here here in the memphis area we've had unseasonably cool spring and so mm. it has just been beautiful and so we this week as a matter of fact is probably the closest we've come to Normal temperatures, uh, so we did we did hit uh, right close to ninety earlier in the week. Today's a little bit overcast, uh, but we're 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 in we're getting into that sweet Memphis sweet spot of humidity and heat the way that we like it. <laughs> <laughs> and how long does it, it last that tongue way? In cheek, oh, I, <laughs> I used to joke about the fact that we have two seasons. It's either cold and freezing, you know, it's it's freezing cold and damp or it's hot and humid and that that's kind of it <laughs> so this year seriously it's been unseasonably cool so it's felt as though we've had a long springtime and, and it is mm. a little abnormal because it uh it may not change as quick as i like to joke about it changing uh but but you know when it does get cold it stays you know for us it's cold i know it's not not utah cold uh, but it stays yeah. relatively cool and damp i mean we have freezing rains as opposed to snow and then our humidity in the summer is just really really intense
1: yeah I've, I've been out there in the summertime and and i i did feel like um it was somehow penetrating through my my skin and making my bones feel just mm-hmm. <laughs> heavy i don't know how to describe it but uh for for a boy coming from a you know dry desert climate out there it was, it was, you know, I didn't find the hum, the humidity to be as comfortable as like a steam room, yeah. you know, that people yeah. pay money to be in, but um, yeah. So it sounds like we're both getting good weather. yes And then also um, I was excited last week um, because the CDC changed its recommendations or, no, it's not the CDC, it's actually the FDA that uh, made the change and allows uh, the Pfizer vaccine to be given to children um 12 and up so now everyone in my family has had um at least one shot mm-hmm. so so we're we're feeling pretty immune here i mean we've may not even wear seatbelts <laughs> feeling feeling so confident yes yes
0: <laughs> well and the West is a little bit slower than the South, I guess. Uh, we've 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 not had a mandate from uh, as far as the state of Mississippi. We've not had a, a mandate, although all of the stores, every place you go, still seems to have. Uh, but mm-hmm. I did attend a chamber event uh, for the local city that I am in, and there was uh, there was seating for two hundred, but I'm guessing there was about one fifty people there, mm-hmm. and I think I probably saw about five people with masks on. So that's, oh. that's the largest <laughs> group of uh, people I have assembled. And don't tell anyone in case they broke the law, but, uh, you know, it's a Chamber of Commerce. I think they should know what the laws are.
1: So. Well, we we have, um, you know, from the law side of things, uh, our legislature decided that the pandemic was over on April 11th. So okay. they just declared it over. <laughs> And well, um, and and got rid of all of the uh, mask mandates and everything. Uh, however, just like like you're reporting, that doesn't seem to uh, have carried over to the businesses. Yeah. Uh, so you know, pretty much everywhere I go, there's a sign out front that says, you know, wear your mask when you come in. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's been some changes in the CDC recommendation saying that it's not required if you have um, had your vaccination. Um, mm-hmm. however, I, I have no idea how anyone would look at someone and, and know yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you, you certainly look vaccinated to me. That's right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think that, you know, we're, we certainly are seeing based off of the numbers out here. And I think really across the United States, the, 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 the numbers seem to be falling and, you know, that would fit, uh, with the seasonality of, of kind of what we saw last year too, you know, mm-hmm. where we, we got a little bit complacent as those, those numbers begin to fall. But if we can continue to uh, methodically get more people with vaccines in their arms, I think, we could maybe return to some sort of normal in the next few
0: months well i think that's what the plan is based on everything that i'm reading new york city schools plan to be fully open in fact the mm-hmm. actual teachers union said that they felt there was no reason not to have all the schools open next year as well so i think we're seeing the tide <laughs> that direction
1: well it's it's funny you know from that perspective you know my my youngest was talking about how you know he's he's going to be a sophomore Next year in high school, mm-hmm. and when he walks in that school building, it will be his first time. Yeah, there you go. You know there you go. <laughs> that he's been a he's he's missed a full year of in school um, instruction. And uh, my daughter, who is graduating, you know, we're like, "So are we going to your graduation?" She's like, "I didn't go to school all year. I'm not showing up for a graduation." <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, we are going to do something for it, but you know, um, I I. I wish that we could get as a guest on our podcast a high school student with 10 years of, you know, experience after, you know, like looking back on their memories of this time, you know, because, you know, for for many of them, this is just the reality. This is just what they're going through. But I would be curious as they look back on their um, high school experiences, you know, if just the strangeness of the whole ordeal sets in even more. I mean, I know that they're. I I look at my kids and it's they they definitely recognize that it's it's an unusual circumstance that they have been through um but I'm not sure that it really has impacted them just how yeah. incredibly unusual. Yeah, and I don't this last year was. I
0: don't think we'll know that till some time passes, that's for sure. So I guess I guess for our podcast listeners go ahead and bookmark uh, <laughs> podcast number five hundred should be somewhere around ten years from now. Um, we'll exactly. Uh, <laughs> let us know how that is once you hear it, and uh, we'll be anxious to kind of reflect on that. Uh, yeah, so.
1: I, I hope. I hope we. Uh... You know, we're still doing it yeah. <laughs> 10 years from now. I, I hate to think, you know, I was going to do some math and say how old we were going to be at that point, but I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah. We
0: we don't need to do that. We will be older. Yes. <laughs> That's the important thing. We all thing. will be older by then. If the yes. Anyhow. Well, hey, listen. Well, I don't know. Maybe the
1: vaccine reverses that. We had, yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe we'll get younger. I'm hoping. <laughs> and laser vision.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, well, let's uh, make a hard turn here and shift to our topic today. But actually, it's not so hard anyhow. We, we really uh, were talking about the vaccination and the things that of that nature. And that really is something that has affected our community. And so we really mm-hmm. wanted to kind of talk about community today. And community is one of the uh, cornerstones of what Upwards Unlimited is about. Uh, we have the four C's at Upwards Unlimited, uh, just for those folks maybe not familiar with it, it's conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. And so Stephen, I thought we would pick out community today and talk about that. And the way we want to kind of talk about community is, first of all, the reason the word community is used is most of us, uh, when most of the time, when we think of community, it's a a pleasurable experience. It's a good experience. and when we talk about culture, oftentimes, many of us can relate to having a bad culture. And so uh, in my mind, I kind of contrast the two. I recognize the fact that one could be the other, uh, and, and they may well be the same. But I, I, I do draw a bit of a distinction with that. In fact, prior to the recording, Steve and I were talking about community. And there, there are certainly toxic communities as well. And, um, Steve, as we were talking about it, I couldn't think of a single community that wasn't toxic, that somehow was not a cult or something (laughs) related to, uh, that type of a thing. You know, the James, uh, with Jim Jones, Guyana, where they drank the Kool-Aid, right? Uh, that, that, that is certainly a toxic community. Uh, but let, let's kind of unpack it a little bit. Let's, let's, let's first of all, talk about, um, before we dive too deep into community itself, let's, let's talk about culture just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, first of maybe we can kick it off by talking about, since we're talking about the pandemic and the uh, after effects of it here. Uh, I know we have jobs posted everywhere currently, in fact it is so serious the need for hiring workers is so serious and this to me is a telltale sign folks so you know you i can entertain you for a half a second federal express mailed through the united states postal service that's an irony in itself but they mailed a (laughs) postcard a color glossy postcard through the mail letting people know that they were hiring in our area and I live, Mississippi, just south of the Memphis border. They're hiring in our area for 19.95 an hour, which is a, a pretty solid wage for the, the type of work you'd be doing at FedEx and for a lot of folks in this area. Uh, but just the fact that FedEx is so desperate for team members that they would use a postal service and they would put one in everybody's mailbox in a particular zip code at least, I, I find quite amazing. And so we have a culture right now in the workforce of a high demand for labor, but yet we, we don't have labor available according to unemployment. Well, I don't know. I don't know how you explain that, Steve. Yeah, well, we're, we're in a
1: super unique situation where there is record unemployment combined with a labor shortage. And, and it's it's really just difficult to imagine until you break it down a little bit, mm. you know, from the, the perspective that, you know, like, I remember, and we, we talked about this a little bit, you know, the kind of the culture piece, and the culture of different organizations, right now, you know, there is this, you know, I, I think, I think often most, most businesses or organizations um, have this, this culture that is very reactionary. And when COVID first hit, there was a huge reaction of "We gotta, we gotta make cuts. We gotta cut quick, fast, and hard." We have no idea what's coming up. We have no idea what's down down the road. We just need to get some people off our payroll as fast as we possibly can. And I doubt that there there were very many people thinking, "Well, how are we going to get them back on?" Mm-hmm. You know, I think many many were thinking they'll. The, the the climate is such that we will have the ability to just say, hey, we're, we're hiring back, come on back to us, and then we'll come back and come back for the same. But a number of, of unique things happened during this pandemic. We, we got a new industry, not that Amazon didn't exist before, <laughs> not that delivery didn't happen before, but all of a sudden, so many more things were coming through the mail. So many more things were having to be, you know, manu- manufactured in, in different environments, in different places. There was this this work from home industry sprung out of nowhere and there was opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, you know, it's like we look at these places that are wanting to hire. Many of them were never known for being really great paying jobs, mm. you know, would, when, when, you know, I came from hospitality, hospitality, spoiler alert, doesn't pay well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in certain positions, different areas, you know, they do, but you, you know, you look at your housekeeper, you know, and, and uh, for many years, I, I remember working in hospitality and trying to advocate for better pay and getting the answer, well, it's this many dollars, like it's two dollars above minimum wage. Yeah, and and there was this feeling like, well, as long as we're beating that minimum wage, we are good. And you know, it was also interesting because I, you know, discovered that most organizations were determining their wages. Um, And I think they still are doing the same thing based off doing wage surveys. What are others paying? Nobody was actually asking whether they could afford it because they were, they could afford so much more, you know, when you pay such low wages, it was just, is it competitive? And the competition has really shifted. There really is now this perspective that, you know what, you better value your employees. You better, you better put out there that you're going to compensate them you know, um, it it is a a strange cultural shift that is taking place. Even from the perspective then you probably remember this as well, is um, I remember when I got my first job working in the call center. You know, I went to the um, community college job board, and they had listed every job with its wage, and then whether it had um, a uh, you know benefits package that went with it. Then. I would say probably five, six years later, there was this cultural shift that took place across most organizations and the ones I was part of saying, "Oh, we don't want to ever list how much something pays because and, and I'd hear this, and it would, even then it drove me drove me completely nuts, you know, and they were mostly from managers making you know about four times whatever that entry level position was. Right. We want people to join us because they want to be here, yeah, not for the money. And I thought, well, the truth is nobody is going to be incentivized by this, you know, little peasly, paltry, um, you know, offering, you know, you're, you're only getting people because of your, and, and the truth is they were getting people in because their brand was strong enough as an employment brand. I think like Disney is a good example of that. You know, people go and work at the parks because of their employment brand, but their offerings really are, are minuscule. Mm-hmm you know they're 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 not even remotely competitive you know when it comes to maybe they're competitive for other parks but not for other things in the area and um
0: well i think that you know and now it's shifting back yeah
1: now it's like we 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 need to tell you what we're we're going to offer and we need to be competitive we'll see how long that lasts
0: well and i think as a part of it just you know to to point it out kind of back on task with it At this point in time, I think a lot of businesses are rethinking kind of what their culture is. What is it we offer? uh, Mm -hmm. You know, beyond money. I mean, admittedly, I can drive down the street, the main street in my town here in the area, and there you'll see. uh, I know Arby's has got their sign posted on the marquee what they pay per hour. You go through the drive-through. At uh, Popeye's Chicken, it tells you what they pay per hour. Chick-fil-A tells you what they pay per hour. So it, it's it's all out there. But to your point, it's not exactly like in college days, I don't think. I, we're, we're just going to pick it based solely on pay. I know that's what mm-hmm. they're throwing out there. But I think it's given folks a chance to kind of set back, uh, certainly, you know, the Black Lives Matter, BLM, has played into the way businesses are running now. And I was just reading an article on LinkedIn or uh, some business trade magazine where they were talking, you know, the number of diversity officers being hired and things. And so, I think business as a whole is looking at other things. You know, I think, uh, you know, back in the day, Tom's Shoes was the original kind of cause-oriented business, or at least the first one that I knew of. You know, where you mm-hmm. buy one and one gives,
1: and another pair gets. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and now, I mean, it's it's just about everybody has some kind of cause, whether it's a matching quite like that. It might be a different model, but so many businesses are promoting the causes in which they support and and the people in which they help and things like that. So I think we're seeing a shift in the actual culture of business as well. Even, Mm -hmm. even uh, the company that I work for, uh, an email was sent out and we now have available to us one-on-one counseling. Should we dial this number and make an arranged appointment? We can have Mm one-on-one counseling. And to me, that's, that's, you know it's kind of unheard of we never had those opportunities in the past so i think we're seeing a shift yeah. for sure
1: well those um i think i think that the cultural shift that has to be happening is one is getting the right people in does mean giving them the right offer right <laughs> you know that and that and that we're certainly seeing that we need to get that the businesses need to get their offer out there but we also know that retention um even if you give a good offer uh, that retention requires a deeper level of culture, and um, and I think it maybe even goes into saying, you know, what what is culture? And to me, if I think about culture, it it really is just a relationship. Yeah. You know, what is my relationship to you? I, I would say even just two, even two people have their own culture. You know, we we have a culture maybe on our podcast <laughs> because we have some shared values, some shared beliefs, we have some shared norms. Uh, that we use in how we engage one another or with our guests. Um, you get, you know, a, a different culture, maybe within your family, a different cultures you brought out, but it really all comes down to what is your relationship. And so we look at corporate culture. It is what's my relationship with my employer and then what's their relationship with me. And sometimes those relationships are positive and sometimes they're negative. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, And I'm curious, like in your experience, you've, you've worked at a number of, of places. I know you've mentioned before, um, having been in, you know, maybe a a toxic relationship, (laughs) uh, with, with, or a toxic culture, uh, in places that you worked. Tell me about that. What makes it, what makes it, what, what has made those toxic for you?
0: Yeah. No, that's a, it's a great question, Steve. And I, I'm sure, number one, I'm sure it's different for everybody. So, I, you know, I, I'm not foolish enough to think just my own experience is going to be uh, uh, a wide enough breadth to catch everybody's experience. But I, I know for me, as I look back on it, in fact, I ran into a guy that worked with me in that environment about three years ago. And so it's been a long time ago that I worked this job. And he made mention, he said, yeah, you couldn't do anything right without, and he named the manager's name, you couldn't do anything right without him breathing over your shoulder. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) And, And so, I appreciated that here some years later, bumping into this guy, he remembered the stress that I was under. And you may recall, we can dig it out somewhere in a past podcast, I talked about being hospitalized for stress one time. Mm. Well, that was the particular job. That was the worst um, situation that I had worked in before. But as I dissect it beyond just the person, I mean, it was certainly the person I reported to that caused most of the grief. Um, But it, it was... Deeper than that, and you and I talked a little prior to the podcast, it helped kind of unpack it. You know, we had a little couch time where I got to sit on the couch and you did some analysis, Steve. Not really. (laughs) Uh, But it really was an issue of me not having a voice. Uh, I was in Mm -hmm. a salaried position. I was a manager, but I reported to a higher ranking manager. And I could not control my own schedule, even though I put it on paper as to when I was going to arrive and leave. It was he that indicated how long i would stay and when i would get to go home and i -hmm. wouldn't find out until the day of oftentimes that there was a special event uh it was happens to be a hotel Uh, there was a special event at the hotel and i needed to stay until the last plate was served and collected and so on and so you know i'd go in at 7 a.m and leave at 11 p.m at night and i wouldn't know until i was there that's what was going to occur and so, uh, but it was uh, not having a voice. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't express myself too. In fact, I, I did at one point talk to him about my pay, and he let me know that, well, that's what you agreed to. You know, <laughs> and so it's like, well, yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> You're right. So yeah, you know, there's the door. If you don't like it, was basically what he was letting me know. So that that was, uh, that was, you know, in its day, that was a fairly toxic environment for me. Um, I just. Uh, I was miserable, um, and, and then I will say too, You know, as we talk about toxic environments, um, there have been times where I know I've, I don't know if this is a proper word, but I'm going to say it. I don't know if I've added to the toxicity or not, but I think that I did. Uh, I've, I've worked other jobs where I had great displeasure of the way things were being handled, and I didn't understand some of the decisions being made. But then I went into what I call my dark days. You know, I went into a black hole where I didn't perform or do things the way I should have out of response to what I was seeing happening. Mm -hmm. And so I began to sort of perpetuate some of that uh, toxicity that was in that environment. And so, you know, I I hate to confess that, but. it's, it's far enough behind me, I can do it. <laughs> but, but it's a reality too, right? I mean, we, we it's, it's you know, not that I'm proud of it by any stretch, but it is sometimes we get caught up in it and we sort of normalize what's going on. And so therefore we justify our own behavior as well.
1: That's really interesting, you know, what you're bringing up, because I, I hear as you're talking, you know, that there's, there's a, a part of what, can make this toxicity. And I think I think companies, organizations that are wanting to evaluate their culture, they need to evaluate their power structure mm. as well. Because you know what, what you're you're describing, you know, you you have this this manager who essentially has taken your voice. And if you lose your voice, what really is bad about losing your voice, in my opinion, is that you lose your power. You lose the ability, you know, you know, you you just kind of are along for the ride, be it good or not, you know. And, and I think about times that um, in positions I've I've been in, and especially as organizations more and more go to making human resources more removed from the actual humans that are working there Mm -hmm. they go more to a regional structure and they don't have anybody who is actually accessible on hand to ask questions other than maybe they've got a number that you can call and it's staffed by someone making 12 dollars an hour that may or may not you know um, know what they need and it's going to go into benefits and things like that but it doesn't have that actual true professional uh, that they have access to i think i've seen so many times in my career where people have left for one of two reasons one so they could get their exit interview because that's the only time anybody listened to them Hmm. the other reason that they left was to make a statement to say you know what you're going to miss me when I'm not here. I can't tell you what I'm doing because you're not listening. So instead, I'm just going to leave and let the void speak for itself. I'm not sure it's a very productive way yeah. <laughs> of getting your message across, uh, but it is. It is, And I've seen it many, many times uh, where when they left, they said, all right, now they're going to learn what it is that I do. And, and the unfortunate thing is I'm not sure any I ever saw an organization learn from that either. Yeah. They they were always just, oh, confused. So th- that communication piece is so important, but it's almost like it can't happen if your power power dynamic is off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that it really is a matter of we want to be, you know, most organizations are set up so incredibly hierarchical that everyone reports to someone all the way up in a chain of hierarchy, all the way to the CEO. And I'm not sure that many. If any organizations have actually revisited their power structure as a way of trying to improve their culture.
0: Hmm. Well, and Steve, as you talk about power structure, I know you you did a little research prior to our conversation today, and there's there's actual findings about how um, how a toxic environment kind of trickles down and the effects of it. Uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have that, you want to kind of share a little bit to our audience today, what you Yeah, had.
1: well, I mean, let me just share one one study that I found particularly interesting. Um, it's called um, A Trickle-Down Model of Abusive Supervision, and it's written by um, Mary Bards, David Mayer, uh, Jenny Hobbler, Sandy Wayne, Sophia um, Moranova more innova There we go. <laughs> uh, and they are from Drexel University, Michigan University, and the University of Illinois. And so they they, they did this study um, in trying to determine really what is the effect of um, an abusive or some sort of abusive supervision. Mm. And really, how far does it go? So You know, it's interesting because, again, we say culture is um, a relationship, right? And relationships can be abusive. And there is nothing about the workplace that makes it so you can't have an abusive relationship in the workplace. And when you look at, you know, abusive uh, relationships outside the workplace, when the power um, structure is off, the abuse is often magnified. So you can just kind of... Be certain <laughs> that when you're in a hierarchical environment and abuse is taking place there, um, it's going to be really off. It's going to have a, a longer lasting effect. One of the things that they they discovered in uh, their findings, and uh, they only looked at it uh, basically two levels down, uh, where they looked at an abusive manager and they discovered that when a manager is abusive, whoever it is, the supervisor that is reporting to that manager will also become abusive. And not only will it stop there, but then as that supervisor becomes abusive to the team, the team having no place else else to go becomes abusive to each other. Hmm. And so there's this, this, um, chain of abuse (laughs) that kind of works its way down. And some people might look at it and say, well, you know, it's just, if you're around abusive people, you're going to be abusive, but it doesn't actually work the other way up. It's not like if you have um, an abusive team that all of a sudden they start abusing their supervisor and their supervisor starts abusing their manager. It's a one-way street and it's a one-way street because of the power dynamic that takes place. And that is one area that I think if a if a if a if a company is an, or an organization is truly serious about improving their culture, they have to look at it from the perspective of who are the people with the power and how do you fix it. One of the things in the study I found really interesting, um, and um, if I can quote it, <laughs> uh, dysfunctional behavior or dysfunctionally. Behaving organizations are not simply the result of bad apples. Is something they say in this in this study or in their conclusions that oftentimes you, you people look at it and they say, well, you know what, this person behaved badly. We'll remove them. Well, if it's the supervisor that behaved badly, you just put another supervisor in that place, and in time, you've got a new abuser. Hmm. You know, and some people may say, well, you know what, I I have been in a, an abusive situation at work. And uh, my manager was abusive to me or they didn't. And one of the, the things that they looked at, you know, to define abuse, because some people may say, well, nobody's getting beaten. Right. Nobody is, right. you know, um, or of course there's, there's you know, things like sexual abuse or sexual harassment, which is is its own form of abuse. But that wasn't necessarily what this was looking at. This was looking at abuse from the perspective of belittling, from the perspective of removing a person's voice. Um, from the aspect of, of, of just, uh, creating an environment that a person would not want to try and thrive in, (laughs) that they survive in, you know? So in looking at it from that perspective, you have to ask yourself, unless you are the one exception to the rule, when you're in that abusive situation at work, who are you passing it on to? Mm -hmm. Are, Are you bringing it home with you? Um, is it, it is it creating an environment where you don't behave as well with your coworkers? Are you turning it back on yourself? You know, and maybe abusing yourself uh, because of the abuse that is being experienced. So it's it's super serious. Yeah, well, it looks, it's definitely yeah, it looks, something from this cultural perspective that that has to be looked at if there's if there's going to be. Um, the right culture. It's not gonna be, be making a better mission statement or coming out with a, a new statement of inclusion. It's, it's going to require that um, leaders, the ones who are making the decision, ask themselves some really difficult introspective questions when they are disciplining a supervisor that reports to them for behaving poorly. They have to ask, what role might I have played in creating this
0: environment? Yeah, and let me, uh, we've covered a lot of ground there, Steve, so I want to unpack just a few things here. Um, First of all, uh, you know, as you're talking about abuse in the workplace, I like the fact that you compared it to just uh, a relationship, you know, any relationship where there's an abusive person. And so, you know, kind of better defining abuse there. And like you said, it's not, yes, uh, the whole Me Too meant, the whole Me Too movement and the sexual abuse, that's definitely abuse. In the schools, we talk about bullying, but uh, when we think about abuse in the workplace, and really what I'm hearing through all of this, the opposite of abuse, it might be a simpler way to look at this, because we could maybe argue over what is abusive and what's not. I mean, there's, there's certainly mm-hmm. times where people are outright abusive, um, but Not too many people, like you said, leave work with a black eye, unless you're Mm -hmm. a boxer or something. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But what's interesting though, so I I would contrast that. So so maybe the opposite of of abuse is the fact of when we honor our team members or when we honor our employees. Mm -hmm. You know, so honor um, a guy by the name of Gary Smalley was uh, giving this lecture one time, and I had chance to hear him speak and really appreciated what he had said. And what he did, he gave the example, and, and I actually have used this before. In a, uh, I authored a chapter in a book, and I use this example as well. But Gary Smalley used the example of uh, this violin that is, uh, in, in, again, kind of place this in a work situation where, it, rather than a person, it's a violin. And so this violin was a fragile violin, and he literally, in one of his workshops, did this one time, passed around this violin that was broken, Uh, the neck of it was broken, and so the strings were kind of holding the neck together with the body of the violin. And they passed Mm -hmm. it around, and he was having people examine it. And so, of course, people were pretty nonchalant with it, because they didn't see any value to the violin so I'm going to drive this story home and clarify it in just a moment for those of you wondering where I'm going. Uh, But they didn't see any value to the violin. Well then he proceeded, Gary Smalley proceeds to explain, there is a a, a brand of violin that was made by Stradivarius. And he shared the worth of a Stradivarius violin and how rare they were. And so, lo and behold, he has the people look down into the hole of the violin that had been passed around. And that violin, in its broken condition, was still a Stradivarius, when signed, uh, a signed copy or, or whatnot. I'm not a violinist. Yeah. But nonetheless, that violin, even broken, was worth so much more than anybody knew. And so mm-hmm. it, it, the audience just suddenly gasped to realize they were holding something of great value. And that is the way that Gary Smalley explains honor. When you realize what you have in your hands and i and so i would i would argue that that's the opposite of toxic when we can treat people with honor and treat people with respect and treat them with care it's it's
1: really hard to imagine um an inclusive situation that is abusive
0: yes yes so true and then if i could expound just another direction of something that you pointed out the results of that um and, and you'll certainly have to send me the name of that. So I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but the results of that research that you saw indicates the managers in turn, uh, it, it was this trickle down. I mean, that's the whole, what the whole point mm-hmm. is. And so we know in reality, if you find hurt people outside of the workforce or wherever you find hurt people, many of us have heard the expression before, hurt people hurt people. And so we know there is a cycle in which, you know, not to, we won't be graphic, obviously, but a, a sexual predator has generally been prey to somebody else who was a sexual predator. And so it's a repeating cycle that oftentimes happens. And so here we can even see in the workplace, Something as simple as being disrespectful, something as simple as maybe hollering at somebody that had, uh, done their job incorrectly and embarrassing them in front of their peers. Mm-hmm. That, that oftentimes is, is a, a repeating pattern in a family. So why would we expect it to be any different in a work environment?
1: Yes. Well, and I, I want to just really quickly clarify, cause I know that, um, we wouldn't want to take in this way, but we certainly don't want to stigma, stigmatize victims of any kind yes. of abuse and say you are now abusers. Oh <laughs> no, no, um, no! Or or that certainly. you will become abusers uh, because that's that's not the case um, necessarily. Everyone has the potential to to abuse and to be abused. Yes. Um, and um, but I think what what I, I definitely am hearing from that is that. You know pain has to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and um where that is directed um is sometimes not entirely healthy Mm -hmm. to the people it's directed at or to the (laughs) yeah but pain has to find a home it has and, and and people sometimes internalize it they bring it back in sometimes they find outlets Uh, that are healthier and, and certainly, you know, going to a mental health professional would help you figure out what those outlets are, but, but uh, pain has to go somewhere. And sometimes it ends up going back into the cycle. Yeah.
0: Yes. So true. So true. So, so anyways, that to me, you know, in, in, in what we've talked about there, and I, I know this sounds much deeper than just the workplace, but technically it really is as well, you know, I mean, I know my behavior at work is a reflection of what happens in part, what is a reflection of what happens in my home. It's not directly mm-hmm. correlation, but I know my home life affects my work life and I know my work life affects my home life. And so I think that's the importance of of overcoming kind of that toxic culture. And, and that's why, you know, with... Upwards Unlimited, why we like to talk about community. And, and so we did, you know, we kind of let the cat out of the bag early. <laughs> Most of the time, community is a good thing. Um, but you know, you do have your Jim Jones where you drink the Kool-Aid and everybody dies, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're not, we're know, not promoting no, that. No, 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 we're not. But I mean, seriously, you look at, I mean, look at some of the headlines though, right? You have the de- disgruntled employee that shows up to work with a gun. Yes. So by no mm-hmm. means do we want to advocate for that, but we see that it happens. We see that people, um, go to extreme measures sometimes because of the need to be heard the need to be seen and the need to be uh, uh to have a voice as we had talked about but when we think of community though most oftentimes in community it, we think of it as being more open arms you know so mm-hmm. whether it's uh You know, it's easy to see, you know, a, a, a church community, you know, welcome its open arms, whether it's LGBT, you know, they welcome folks with open arms because we have some commonality. And so therefore we, we grow our relationships on that commonality, regardless of what that commonality is. That's what helps, I think, form a community, but that commonality just maybe gets us in the door. And, and Steve, I certainly welcome your input, but I, I think that commonality sort of gets us in the door. So in the workplace, yeah, that shared vision of, you know, I, I'm going to make a pair of shoes and give a pair of shoes away, or mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to serve guests and, and see them happy or whatever it is that you're doing in your business, um, that, that that gets you in the door. But there's there's got to be something more than that. Because I, I know plenty of those communities that never had to actually drink Kool Aid and die, but they were <laughs> they they were killing themselves and and not happy mm-hmm. on the job, you know. And by killing themselves, it means just putting in those long hours without the getting the benefits of anything that was worthwhile. Even if they brought home a bigger paycheck, it still wasn't worth it to them when they got home.
1: Uh, well, one of the things. If I may, that I'm yeah. hearing you you say that I I find extremely interesting. You know, we said it's hard to imagine um, an inclusive abusive uh, relationship. <laughs> you know, at least in the area of abuse, because I know relationships are complicated, yeah. right? In some areas, but in that area where abuse is taking place, it's hard to imagine that there was a, an inclusive abusive relationship. It, it just, you know, inclusion creates equality. Equality makes abuse much more difficult to take place which why which is why the power structure of most organizations will naturally lead to abuse if there isn't an extreme attempt (laughs) to overcome that and to the degree that you can create equality it's it's much less likely that you're going to have abuse so taking that one step further you know when you talk about a community and people talk about being part of a community what they say is, that they say it exactly that way. I'm part of a community. I'm integral to the community. And so it, it has moving that, that bridge from you know something that might just be a culture and moving it into that community is the inclusion piece. Mm-hmm. That when you are 100% included, it's not just your culture, it's now your community. You rely on them, they rely on you, you give something in, they give something back. It takes a relationship that could be one-sided and makes it two-sided or four-sided or multi-sided anyways, and that's what what ends up starting to create that network of community.
0: Right, right. Reciprocal relationships, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and when you say equality, let me kind of jump in and clarify too, because equality is giving everyone a voice in, in in what we're talking about here and and mm-hmm. I know it's beyond just giving a voice uh but just because we use the term equality it doesn't mean everybody has the exact same role so i you know i've the best organization um that i played a part in uh, it was a time and uh, i I hate to say this because but anyhow one of the best organizations i'll say it that way not the best but one of the best organizations that i was a part of is it was myself. I was in a leadership role and I had four other guys that I worked with and each of us knew exactly what our role was. Now, in the end Mm -hmm. I was the one responsible for what happened on my shift. It was a production facility. And so if something didn't get done, ultimately I was the one that was going to be sitting in the office. Now I might pull somebody else in the office and take care of them later, but it was my, Mm -hmm. my skin on the line. Um, But each of us knew where the strengths were. One of the guys was extremely analytical. Mm -hmm. So we knew, hey, if we need to solve this, he's the person that can handle it. One of the guys was much better with the other team members. You know, he's a very social guy, very jovial, very pleasant. And so people liked him when he came to them and suggested things to be changed or done. They were real receptive to it because they liked him as a person. Um, And then so we each had differing strengths. And we knew that consciously. And we played to those strengths. And so we had a form of equality, but yet not one of us were equal in what we did, you know, if that makes any sense.
1: It makes complete sense. And especially because that's really what makes a community a community. If you have everybody doing the exact same thing, that's, that's really not a community because you don't rely on each other. Um, there isn't the peace I bring and the piece you bring. It is, it is just we're working side by side on an assembly line,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, if, if we're all doing the same thing. And I think that that plays into the best organizations um, understand the aspect of strengths. And it doesn't and, and, and it means that whoever is the leader of a team doesn't consider themselves the leader of every aspect of the team. They're a coordinator yeah. between the strengths of each individual, but they're not when it comes down to it, I get the last word on this. No, they would say, you have the highest strength in this area. You get the last word on it. I'm coordinating what you're doing with what another does. And actually that coordination is its own special strength. So they may be the strongest in that area of coordination, but if they have to be the smartest person in the room or the smartest person on the team, it is ripe for abuse.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: and and if i may add i believe another bridging aspect to really going into the community side of things is another one of the four c's which is collaboration yeah that um a community that is functioning well is a community that is has a culture of collaboration Mm -hmm. that things aren't done based off of this is this is what we decided and I'm passing my decisions down to you, and in a very hierarchical organization, and, and this really, and what I what I think we're putting out there um, <laughs> with Upwards Unlimited is we're not we're not suggesting business as usual. We're suggesting that a, a better cultural community or a workplace community would be one where um, decisions don't just roll from the top down. But they actually are a collaborative experience all the way from the bottom up.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, there's no question that that's, that's a difficult thing to tackle. Um, you know, as, let's, let's bring it back to reality, right? Because you, you and I are both going to wake up tomorrow morning and do something for our employment. And so mm-hmm. then the question becomes, how do we incorporate that into our our existing workplaces, and so a, again, you know, taking into account, not every environment is is going to be uh, amiable to that. You know, there there are there are toxic places where you know, hey, this is the way it works. Don't like it? There's the highway. You know, it's my way or the highway. We used to mm-hmm. <laughs> joke about that and hear that said. You know, uh, but then there are environments where you know you have a place at the table where you can speak and have influence and be heard. And and that's, that's what you and I are talking about with this. And so, you know, it, it might be, you know, maybe you're the guy that just hired in. It's your first job ever. Uh, you know, you're 16, 17, never worked prior, or you might Mm -hmm. be there 50, 60 years, but at least someone is still listening to you. And that's much more of a community than that, uh, environment that just shuns you because of a lack of experience or a lack of something, whatever the case might be, you know? So I, I, I do think that's important.
1: Absolutely agree. You know, that, um, you know, what, what, what in trying to take some of these things that conceptually <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> move them out of the concept and, and bring them into reality, uh, it, You know, it it, it is difficult because I am going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to still live in a hierarchical world and most organizations will still be hierarchical. And you know what? I'm not sure how you organize things uh, so they don't have that reporting structure. But a reporting structure is very, very different from a hierarchy. Yeah. From the perspective that a reporting structure, if you think about it from like a network or from a communication, you know, how do I communicate to you off in Memphis, Tennessee, where I'm here in Salt Lake? Well, it goes through a structure. It goes through a, an infrastructure, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I don't know necessarily every tower that it bounces off, or every underground cable, or you know, radio wave that. Because there is a path somehow. My my information is getting to you. But that infrastructure is super powerful in that it creates the opportunity for two individuals who seemingly it would be impossible to communicate to are communicating effortlessly. And when we try and build a hierarchy, we really shouldn't try and build a hierarchy. We should try and build a structure Mm. that makes it so ideas um, and information can flow easily around the company and getting it to where it needs to be. I think, you know, using our own bodies as as an example, you know, certainly I've got my brain that is running things, but my brain doesn't tell my feet how to feel. Hmm. You know, my my brain responds to what my feet are saying. My feet are tired. (laughs) It is time to stop walking. The stove is hot. It is time to send the signal to remove. But, you know, really well running organizations run not from a hierarchy, but from an infrastructure, a a structure that allows clear communication that take place. And that is a very different way of looking at it. Um, And again, you know, (laughs) if we look at what Upwards Unlimited is trying to do, we're not trying to say, hey, whatever you're doing in your business, it's great. It's working. Continue doing it. That, that that's that's not what's needed what is needed is is there a way to shake things up and it doesn't mean that you you know make all your big changes instantly from one moment to a net to the next but it does mean understanding what is it that you're trying to accomplish what is the objective you're trying to get are we trying to build a hierarchy or are we trying to build an infrastructure hmm.
0: yeah yeah yeah. And just last point I'll give, and uh, we can wrap it up here, obviously. Uh, but the last point, too, is you talk about that infrastructure. You talk about your brain and your feet, you know, is to recognize yeah, the importance of each role. You know, so again, mm-hmm. back to that, if your feet are telling your brains they're tired, your brain then has to make a decision based on the information. Does it rest your feet or does it press on? I'm running a marathon right now, so I know my feet are going to be tired, but I will press mm-hmm. on. Or I just finished a 12-hour shift; I know that my feet need to rest, so my brain chooses to rest. You know, and so we do. There has to be an element of trust in in that mm-hmm. in that uh, system there as well. Uh, but that's where that communication. Yeah. You know, it all goes back again, kind of that communication. You know, having those great conversations. Uh, and, and with clarity, and then the right decisions can be made or should be made. You know. Well,
1: and I, and I think with that, it's always remembering what you're not allowed to to do and what you are allowed to do. Like going back to the example of your feet and your brain. Your brain can say press on, but it can't tell your feet not to hurt. Yes. Yeah. And that is where I see the real challenge um, in in corporate communication in many ways is. Um, that hierarchy wants to say what to do and how to feel about it. Mm. And there really is only one thing you get to do. And that is to say, you know, otherwise you have to, if you, if you want to change the way your feet feel, if that really is important, then you maybe have to say, well, I'm going to stop running the marathon yes. or I'll run it a little slower. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll recognize that if I continue at this pace, I'm going to burn it out. I'm not going to have it anymore. Uh, You know, at at some point and recognizing that there is a point actually where your brain doesn't get to decide anymore, where your feet will just up and leave. And that happens in the corporate. I mean, your feet don't really up and leave, but they, where your feet are just going to stop running. (laughs) They're just going to say, you know, no, no further, no more. We're done. Think it all you want. But there is not the ability to continue on, and uh, we all recognize that that's a very poor decision to run ourselves to that degree. But when the brain has the option of saying, well, time to go be CEO of another person and hop out of your head, <laughs> go to another one, <laughs> fly over with a golden parachute, you know um, then then you you do get these situations where you have toxic personalities that move from place to place, from, you know, and, and I, we've, we've all seen this, where, uh, I, and I've seen it even on a resume, where someone brings in a resume and people go, oh, look at all the great experience. And I see they were a manager for two years here and three years there. And then they talk about the difficult teams that they had to work with and how hard it was to motivate them. And I think, oh my goodness, why are we considering this person? But yet more often than not, we do consider that person. And they come in, and they're just as toxic here as they were in those other locations, you know, because they didn't understand that aspect that leadership is coordination. It's it's not um, actually driving people to do something. The drive comes within. It comes from each other. It comes from us helping them connect with the things that create drive within them. But it doesn't come from our strong-armed approach of trying to make something happen.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, there you go—food for thought. Uh, Stephen, I would love to hear your thoughts about this. You know, what over what have you done to overcome toxic environments, and what great communities have you seen, and what's made those communities great? Uh, feel free to share that with us at furloughedmailbox at gmail.com, furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Drop us a note and let us know what you think about what we've talked about, or if you have something you want to share yourself. Uh, And obviously, you've heard a lot about Upwards Unlimited today. So again, that is our sponsor, Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, upwardsunlimited.com. And ultimately, uh, their goal is to move you from that culture to community by using the four Cs, conversations, connection, collaboration, and community. So with that, we'll go ahead and end our broadcast today. And thank you again for your support. Be sure and share and like us and keep this thing going. Goodbye, everyone.